What's up, everybody? Reggie and Lack in the Lab. Another episode of the Superior Sports Talk Show presented by the Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's going on, Reggie? What up, man? Every time, every time with the music, I'm like ready, I'm hyped. Let's yeah. let's get into it. Jam packed show for us today, man. We're gonna go all in on the Timberwolves. Talking cat, talking Coach Finch. We're gonna review the showdown with the Memphis Grizzlies. Later on, we're gonna play What Does It Mean with Reggie. I'm gonna put him on the hot seat, talking wild twins and even the Vikings as the NFL draft is now just under two weeks away. Plus, we got some special interview clips we're gonna play from yesterday's practice with Coach Finch and Carl Anthony Towns. It's all coming up on the Superior Sports Talk Show. So let's just jump right into it, Reggie. Saturday tip-off, 2.30 Central Standard Time with the Memphis Grizzlies. First, let's just take a quick step back and look at this season as a whole. I want to ask you, explain to us what's made this Wolves team so much different from the ones in the past, exceeding expectations going 46-36 and in the regular season and locking up that seventh seed in the Western Conference. You know, I think what's interesting about the Timberwolves this year is they are together. You know, they they enjoy being around each other. There's just such a, a fun energy and just a swagger to this team. Jared Vanderbilt talked about that. He was talking about, like, you know, we're going to play Memphis and their their swag is just through the roof and ours is too. And so it's it's interesting because before the season started, Patrick Beverly declared that they were going to make the playoffs. And he kind of willed them into that because they kind of hit a lull um, at the start of the season a little bit. And he kind of rallied the team together and was just like, hey, you know, what's your role? What are you doing? What's going on? Let's let's get it together. And they really kind of rallied behind him and and believed in themselves like talent is never the, the, the issue here. When you got guys like Cat, D'Lo and you got Big Ant. Like, those guys can ball, you know? It's just a matter of, of confidence. And it's funny, like, Anthony Edwards is so young and, and you know, just, like, out of his mind. Like, he doesn't even, like, have any type of, like, idea <laughs> of how big some of these moments are that he's rising to the occasion of. And it's just cool to see. And, you know... Cat has really been like a catalyst for the team on and off the court, and they're kind of going as he leads. And and as we saw in that last game, like even when he's not having his best game, they are still going to rally around him and pick up the slack when when they know like usually they could count on Cat to to get them where they need to go. And this time they kind of had to carry their brother, and he was very appreciative um, talking about that yesterday. But I think the coolest part about What's going on with the Timberwolves is just their energy and their connection together. And I think that kind of spurred some of those long winning streaks that we saw and and really helped them get to this point. So many different X factors. You, you mentioned it. Uh, Anthony Edwards, D'Lo, Pat Bev, but Carl Anthony Towns has been the focal point coming off that Clippers game going into this big series again as the leader of this team. You caught up with him at yesterday's practice. I want to share just about two, two and a half minutes uh, with him from yesterday's practice right here. Irritate you that they decided that if they take you out, they can win. Does that irritate you? It didn't work. No. <laughs> so, doesn't irritate me at all. I went home very happy. Okay. Different, it, it, Memphis covered you in a different way than the Clippers covered you in that. Like, yeah, Clippers, shout out to the Clippers too. I mean, they've done the best job all year of anybody with how they wanted to get the job done on me. 
um, and it forced my hand with passing, you know. So, and I know the first thing everyone we just talked about it last, before last game was sometimes the right, the best play is the play you make. That's kind of a little selfish. So, uh, got it got humble too a little bit in doing that. So, you know, that's why. John Morant's obviously having a great year. Your thoughts on what you like about his game? I think he's he's taking his game to the next level. He's 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 found ways to finish in the paint at a higher rate. He's number one in paint finishing and paint points. So. Uh, he's done a great job of utilizing his athletic ability and his God-given talents and his um, intangibles and athleticism to his advantage. So, uh, shout out to him. Um, had a great talk. Uh, my friends are good. My friend is my my dad's good friends with his dad. Uh, um, feel very uh, very confident in our friendship with me and him. So, uh, it's gonna be exciting to go out there and compete. <laughs> Carl, yeah. how, how tough were they to keep off the offensive glass? I mean, they're a good offensive team, obviously. They're number one. I think, what, they're like on a rate right now to be historically the best offensive rebounding team of all time. So uh, we got we got some work to do, and especially me. So I got to do my job at a high level. And um, regardless of his points or anything, it has to end up being rebounds for me because that's what's going to really win us the game, the transition defense and rebounding. Carl, do you see similarities between you and Memphis, two young teams that do play with swag, that do have confidence going into each game and kind of wearing yeah, it on your sleeve? I think this is this is good for the NBA. I think they, they they're, they're getting to see two of the most exciting players in the league, and Job Moran and Anthony Edwards play against each other. They're getting to see two teams who uh, could be those next it teams, the next dynasty teams you're seeing, and the the, the dynasty organizations that are on the rise, and also at the same time. Um, Slap in the face to all the media who said small market teams couldn't get it done. So we'll go out there and make the ratings, and we'll make the show happen. A lot of good stuff from Carl Anthony Towns there. Uh, you know what? He was getting cooked after the mm. last game and his mm. performance. And shout out to him, you know. Mm. Uh, very, very tough week remembering his mom this week. Um, my dad's birthday, he passed away uh, when I was 13. His birthday mm. was on Wednesday. Um, mm. Would have been 65. He's been gone for, wow, like close to to, to 18 years, which is crazy oh to think gosh. about. Oh, my gosh. Wow, and, and, Reggie, you know, wow. Yeah, so something like that, you know, with Cat losing his mom, it was it was a very like emotional week for him, mm -hmm. and he talked a little bit about how you know, getting that kind of behind him, kind of has him in a better space, you know. And I, I think you know, you never want to like put that on a person, but I can see how maybe something like that was heavy on him, and he wanted to go out and show out for his mom and you know, kind of put on a show and he was pressing a little bit too much. And it's interesting because he was like, look, I'm in a good headspace. I'm glad the team picked me up. I love my teammates. That's what that's what we do as a team. It was all about the win. You know, I'm not upset. I just know I have to be better. And I appreciate that because, you know, it, it was it was a lot of criticism that he was taking. And I'm sure he heard some of the noise, but to his credit, he seemed to have blocked out some of that, and he's ready to move forward. Yeah, no doubt. Again, a lot of frustrations came from the way Tyron Lue laid out that blueprint. What do you expect, just schematically, a little X's and O's here, that the Grizzlies could take away from that uh, Clippers kind of game plan to guard Carl Anthony Towns uh, from what you've seen so far? You know, the Grizzlies have those big bodies down low. We talked about it yesterday with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Steven Adams. And it's funny because... The, the game plan was to double cat, come down into the paint, double cat, 
you know and and it's just it was crazy but uh cat made the the joke yesterday he was just like whether it's like two three four the coach guarding him like he's got to make better plays when he's out there on the floor when he sees that the game plan is to swarm him and he talked about how <laughs> he made the comment yesterday about his struggles that he's just going to, you know, give it to God, pray about it, and, you know, sprinkle some holy water around. <laughs> but, you know, in a more practical approach on the court, I'm not saying that God can't intervene in that moment, but uh, in a more practical approach, you know, he talked about just being able to pass a little bit more out of some of those situations to get his teammates a little bit more involved. And if he does that early, that could spell well for the team mm. as well because they had a really slow start in that play-in game and they were able to rebound and come back. But maybe this will help them start a little bit better if they figure out that there's an increased focus on Cat. And Cat is finding ways to be a little bit more of a playmaker as opposed to just trying to like be bullish and dominate his way into the paint or or just jack up shots that maybe aren't very high percentage buckets. Um, maybe he can get his other teammates involved until some of those things open up for him. When the Grizz do indeed put extra attention on Cat, like you mentioned, uh, is it just as easy and as simple of an answer as, okay, well, D'Lo and Anthony Edwards, they need to step up? Or is there another way that maybe we're not looking at this from, from maybe a different angle uh, as far as getting other players involved when Cat is taking on that extra attention? Those are the guys. Those are the main guys. I mean, look, Cat, you know, is a very savvy basketball player year seven. Like, he he can kind of find his teammates maybe cutting to the basket, maybe get guys like Vando involved, Nas Reed involved, you know, some of the, the other pieces around him. But, I mean, look, there's no secret that them winning – that play in on Tuesday, that was largely because of the play of D'Lo and Ant. And had they not stepped up and had those big-time performances that they did, they would be playing tonight. <laughs> they would be playing tonight. The, the New Orleans Pelicans, hello. Mm. That's your matchup tonight. But because these guys took it upon themselves to step up and really, like, put the team on their backs, like – Anthony Edwards played out of his mind. D'Lo, in that fourth quarter, played out of his mind. They needed those performances to win that game. And so if they're going to have a, a chance to, to beat the Grizzlies, which I think they have a great chance to do that, these stars have to play like stars. They have a big three, D'Lo, Ant, Cat. They have to play like the big three. Lot to break down. I want to preview this Grizzlies matchup a little bit more. We're going to catch up with Coach Finch from yesterday's practice footage as well that you brought us. But last one with Carl Anthony Towns here before we move on. Do you think Cat still has something to prove to himself or teammates or or fans, people around the league? Seven years in the league, man. Mm. Seven. Wow. And he's still so young, so yeah. talented, so talented. But in this league... We are measured by wins and losses. And whether or not he maybe says it publicly, there is a little bit of pressure on him to, to produce. You know, like he's the star of the team. That team will go as he leads. He needs to dominate. You know, those, those early teams with uh, Dwight Howard, mm. he was willing those teams to the NBA Finals, to, you know, the, 
the Eastern Conference Finals every year. Like, he was proving his mettle. And I think that's what Cat has to do. The tough part is, is like, Cat has never had, you know, with the exception of that team that went to the playoffs in 2018, he hasn't had the type of talent around him to make a run like he's doing this year. And so this is his time to shine. The lights are bright. This is time for him to show what he can do. You know, when he was at Kentucky, the lights were bright every night. Every game was was important. And it's been a while since he's been in that type of a situation. Now, I do think that he can rise to the occasion, but there are so many doubts. It's so funny, too, because it was like, when he had that bad game, it seems like there were people waiting in the wings to be like, oh, see, I told you so. See, Jimmy Butler was right. You know, mm-hmm. all that crap. And I think it's not fair, one, to him. But also, he hasn't really been there before, you know? Like, you look at the Suns with Devin Booker. You know, he had never been there before. You know, him and Cat, the, the biggest games they had played before they got into the league was at Kentucky. You know what I mean? And so I think – what the Suns are doing now, they're a finals favorite at this point. And Booker is showing and proving what everybody thought about him the whole time was is that he's a superstar. Cat is also a superstar, but he hasn't gotten a chance to play in these type of games. These This is his chance to show and prove and, and show the league, put the league on notice, put everybody on notice that he's here and he's coming. Let's keep the Wolves talk going. Shift gears a little bit, Reggie, to Coach Finch because he picked up that well-deserved contract extension. We talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Reggie, just tell me, how big of an impact has Coach Finch had in progressing, in developing this young, talented, filled roster? Man, the team is like night and day from last year, right? Yeah. Like, wild. they are – the talent was there last year, you know, but they're putting it all together and they have like the guy that is stirring the pot the right way. You know, like, you know how you have like all the good ingredients. I just came back from Houston uh, not too long ago. You got all the good ingredients to make a good gumbo, right? You got the chicken, Mm. you got the Mm. seafood, you got the, the okra and you know, like all that good stuff that's, that's in there. You're like, these are right. These are great elements, you know, great elements that should make a really good gumbo, you know, but you need, you need a good roux. You know, mm. you need that good roux. If you don't have a good roux, the gumbo is going to be trash, right? Mm. And I think um, mm. Chris Finch, for lack of a better uh, comparison, is the roux that stirs this gumbo all together because they have reached the potential that, you know, many fans have been waiting to see since Cat has been here. And he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. He has the experience of a coach that that – is great for a young team. He seems to kind of give them a little bit of leeway to just kind of be themselves, but also be that disciplinarian in the in the fact that, you know, he's able to steer things back in line when things are kind of going a little bit off script. And so I think he was just a perfect guy to come in here and and really kind of right the ship and and it's evident seeing where they are right now. Coach Finch came in with a, with a nice, talented, young roster, but mm-hmm. you're right, man, with that room, he gave it that 
that little chef's kiss. <laughs> and it's, it's been evident, clearly, uh, uh, his fingerprint that he's put on this team, no doubt. You caught up with him at yesterday's practice. He talked Carl Anthony Towns. He talked John Morant. Uh, he previewed this uh, series coming up Saturday, 2.30 tip-off against the Grizzlies. Let's check out two minutes of that here real quick. You're playing a team like Memphis. They're very similar to you in terms yeah. of how deep they are. Is that a good matchup for you? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they have one of the better benches in the league for sure. Um, you know, but we feel we do too. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's an intriguing part of the series is which, uh, you know, which second unit can kind of like take, take control of those minutes. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, maybe a little bit. Um, we knew, we knew what the defense was going to look like. Um, you know, I thought he had a couple uh, opportunities that maybe he pressed on. I'm not worried about Cat. I'm really not. He'll be fine. A lot of balance, especially whenever you look at your record against Memphis this year. Do you take anything away from your previous games going into this one, knowing that it is a long series? Well, yeah. I mean, I think we, you know, that we we haven't played them four times, and um, we know we have a good feel. We think might work against them, and what we might have to expect as an adjustment, um, and vice versa. So, yeah, I think uh, playoff series has a little bit of a different uh, animal. Um, you know, as things unfold, obviously it's about adjustments, but, um, you know, of course, I think we have a feel, pretty good feel for who they are. Just wanted to ask about John Morant, what you like about his game and the challenges of slowing him down. Yeah, well, he's fearless, you know, and that's what I love about him most. He's absolutely fearless. Um, you know, he's a offensive microcosm unto himself, you know, just lives in the heart of your defense all in all the ways possible, transition in the half court. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's you know, just a, a total game changer. I, I think the biggest challenge for young teams in the playoffs is ma maintaining an even keel no matter what happens. You know, win or lose, the narrative swings so wildly in the media and everywhere else about what's just happened. There's always a lot of basketball left to play. You make your adjustments and you, and you move on. What was the response in practice today after Tuesday? You mentioned it was like a playoff game, was to get into the playoffs. What's the response been like after that's um, actually yeah, we didn't talk at all about the other night. Um, yesterday was an off day for us, so we were able to separate ourselves mentally from that. Uh, we enjoyed it very appropriately, I thought. And, uh, and, and today we came back, focused on Memphis. All business guys are excited. Um, and, uh, yeah, so piece by piece we'll be ready by Saturday. We heard from Coach Finch there, and we've talked a lot about how the Grizz is going to game plan against Carl Anthony Towns. Mm -hmm. But if you're if you're Coach Finch, uh, what's his game plan? Just maybe from an X's and O's standpoint, or, or however you want to look at it, whatever angle you want to take, Reggie, as far as how he's going to game plan against Ja Morant and the rest of the Grizzlies. Man, Ja's going to be Ja, right? Right. It was so it was so funny yesterday. He was just like, you know, we haven't changed. You know, mm -hmm. we're we're not ducking any smoke from anybody. And when you have that type of approach from a team and from their star player, their leader, it's like, man, whew, watch out for them, you know? And I think that's why it's going to be important for the Timberwolves to start fast. Mm. Because if they don't, you know, it, it, it might get a little ugly quick, you know, because when you're in Memphis and that crowd is roaring like that and you got John Morant playing at a high level, like the steamroll can come, you know? And I think what's tough about that is game planning for John Morant is weird because it's like, yeah, okay, maybe you maybe you try to, you know, game plan for him to be a jump shooter because he's not as well of a jump shooter as he is at attacking the basket. 
And maybe it's like, okay, maybe you do that. But then now you have to worry about not just his shooting ability, but now him kicking it out to to other guys, getting other guys involved that are just, you know, we talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. on the defensive end, but like he's also a growing dangerous player on the offensive end as well. And I think that's going to be something that is going to really challenge Coach Finch. And we're going to see, you know, like, okay, look, he's in the playoffs now. We're, we're, we're going now. We're, this, is, this is like the biggest games of, of our careers at this point. Like, we're going to see what, what he can do as far as game planning in these critical games of this series. I'm interested to see how they control the paint too, Reggie. Because remember, mm. the Grizzlies averaged 57.6 points in the paint easily, the most in the league. But like you said, Ja's going to jaw one way or another. <laughs> you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. My exactly. question is, when I look at just such a young, inexperienced roster, how important is it going to be for these guys to just settle down early, keep that even keel, and just go play basketball? Very important. And Kat talked about this yesterday. Mm. Look, they saw what it's like to get punched in the mouth early and have to rebound. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, no, it wasn't necessarily a playoff game, but it was a postseason game and a game that really mattered to them and for their their pursuits. And I think that game gave them some confidence that they can withstand a team's best blow and come back and still win the game. And it's funny. It's like, okay, look, if Memphis gets out to an early lead and, and all that, like they can channel that like, okay, we've been here before. We, we've, we've seen this happen to us before. Actually, this week. You know, and it's like, okay, what did we do this week? We had to dig down and and settle in and play our game. And I think it's going to be important to not try to out Memphis Memphis. You know what I mean? Like, no doubt. Don't don't do what they do to Mm -hmm. try to keep up with them. You know, like, you know, D'Lo comes down and, you know, some for better or for worse, he'll jack up that three, you know, early on in the in the shot clock. Like, if that's his game, like, continue to keep doing your game. Whatever is, is is making you comfortable, whatever continues to get you in a rhythm. And it's like, look, chip away at it. You know, if you if you get down, you know, I'm not saying they will, but, you know, you chip away at it and, and then you come back and, and channel what it, it was that you saw from the Clippers and, and really kind of respond to whatever Memphis throws at you. But, look. They're an inexperienced team. It could be good and bad that they haven't been there before because with them not being there before, they're just like, look, we're just going out and hooping. You know what I mean? Like, we're just going to go out here and do our best and see what happens. All right, wrapping up, T-Wolves again, tip-off 2.30 Saturday against the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies, by the way, red hot at home, winning their last 19 of 22. How about the NBA playoff picture, Reggie, as a whole? What are you looking forward to the most? And uh, give me an NBA final playoff prediction. Okay. All right. Here we go. Well, look, I'm looking forward to the games, Regardless, right? Like mm-hmm. NBA playoff basketball is lit. Like it, it's, it's a lot up, of fun. Man. Yeah, no it's it, it's fun all the time. And I think I'm just looking forward to like like last year we had some really great game. Man, that series between the Nets and the Bucks. Like, are oh. you kidding? Like Durant thinking that he won the game and his foot was on the line last year. Like, oh. just hot fire, man. Like, I'm here for it. Um, I. To be the the best, you got to beat the best, right? No doubt. And 
the Bucks are the the reigning champions, and they, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about the Heat, you talk about you know the Nets, and you know all those guys. It's, it's like, look, you got to beat the Bucks. You got to go through Giannis again, and in the playoffs, when things slow down and you need a bucket and you need a basket, Giannis can go get you one. Middleton showed up fantastic last year. He he was like the MVP of Giannis wasn't, and so. I'm almost thinking that we might see a finals rematch, the Suns and the Bucks again, but I think I give the advantage to the Suns if Chris Paul is healthy. Suns, Nets, Nets in six. Count it. Done. Okay. Yeah, right. Kyrie. I, I can I think see that. Kyrie and Durant getting hot right at the last time. You mentioned it. To be the best, you got to beat the best. If they win this series against Boston, they're going to have so much momentum on their side. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to want to play them. Obviously, it's a long shot. I put ten bucks down in Vegas. Man, that, <laughs> that that would net me tw- you know two hundred bucks. But long shot. But uh, I'm excited to watch those uh, Brooklyn Nets for sure. Uh, all right, plenty of Wolves talk that we just recapped. Again, shout out to Reggie getting us some great footage from yesterday's practice with Coach. Finch and Carl Anthony Towns. I'm looking forward to it. John Morant, Anthony Edwards, Cat. Don't forget about Bain, Jackson, Brooks, D'Angelo mm-hmm. Russell. Remember, D'Lo, he dropped 30 plus in three games against the Grizzlies. He's going to be a key factor. Bain, 23, I mentioned it yesterday, a candidate for most improved player uh, yep. and one of the league's most lethal three point players. So, yep. uh, uh, plenty of talent up and down both these teams. Two small yep. market teams, too, I think is really good for the NBA. Again, tip off 2 30 Saturday. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be here Monday morning morning to recap all the action okay Reggie on to my favorite segment what does it mean I'm going to put you on the hot seat put you through the gauntlet we're going to talk about all the hot topics going on in Minnesota sports right now here we go the Minnesota Wild won last night in overtime versus the Dallas Stars three to two thanks in large part to Kevin Fiala's two goals however both the Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues came away with injuries as well so what does it mean for the Wilds' final nine-game stretch when it comes to just this lack of breathing and wiggle room they're facing when it comes out to, to losing that two-seed and dropping to the third place with the Blues? Man, look, I'm from St. Louis, yep. and all of the guys that I follow on Twitter from St. Louis are like, man, the Blues are getting hot at the right time. And it's Uh-oh. just like, oh, man. I don't like that. Oh, man. I don't like no, this. I don't either. I don't either. And it's just interesting because, you know, the Wild had the 2-1 lead, and it was like, okay, mm. just got to hold on. Just got to hold on. And then when the Stars got that that goal, it was just like, oh, man, here we go. Mm. And then the the freaking overtime. Look, that's why you get Ugh. Marc-Andre Fleury. No doubt. Like, are you kidding? He comes out of net with the outlet pass to oh. to Freddie, and Freddie knocks it in. Like, that was beautiful. Like, I'm Who not even that? a hockey guy by, like, trade, mm-hmm. you know. But mm-hmm. I looked at that, and I was just like, that was amazing. Keep doing stuff like that. Like, that's why you got Flower here. That That's mm-hmm. why he's here. And mm-hmm. it's just like I said yesterday. They just got to keep winning, man. Like, there's no other thing to do but to keep winning, to keep pace, because those other teams that they're fighting for uh, a spot with up top, like, they're going to continue to keep winning too, it looks like. So it's like... You keep winning, you keep pace, and you just see what happens. The Minnesota Twins, they start their four-game series on the road in Boston today versus the Red Sox. Joe Ryan set to hit the mound this afternoon. What does it mean for the Twins and just how important it is to start out hot here and kind of find their footing and identity and start to rally some momentum against the Red Sox after this slow and sluggish 2-4 and start to the season? 
They need the bats to be the bats. Yep. Come through. We got mm. Buxton. We got Correa. We got uh, Sanchez. Like, they need those guys to, like, rake. Like, mm. come on. Like, Sanchez needs to channel that inner Yankee in him and try to kill the Red Sox. Like, you know, th- they need that. And and they also need just some consistency from the pitching staff. You know, we saw them once before. It's now come back around to Joe Ryan. And he did pretty good mm-hmm. on the opening day. Um, I think – we just need to see some consistency from them. That bullpen is a little bit of an issue after that first week. But what we need to see is that they can kind of rally together, rally the troops, and, and really kind of like, come on. Like, like we need some wins against Boston. Like, Boston is going to be probably like a, a pretty dangerous team this season. And it's tough, like. You start your schedule against the the Mariners, who are much improved, and then you play the Dodgers, who are like probably a World Series favorite, and then you play Boston, who you know is expected to compete for a World Series this year. It's like, dang man, what what do the schedule makers got against the Twins? Woof. Good lord! Man. It's like, can could they get some you know some little softballs in there before <laughs> before they have to you know? Could, why couldn't they play the Rockies or something? You know what I mean? Like, could they could they just you know, get a little lean. Throw me a bone here, right? Yeah, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So, I think what we have to see is just, like, they have to play up to their potential. It's tough because they're still kind of learning about each other and trying to figure things out. Didn't have a long spring training to really kind of hash things out and figure out who they are and, and get into a flow. But, you know, it's go time. Last one, Reggie on the hot seat. The Colts added big-name free agent cornerback Stephon Gilmore to their secondary, kind of sniping the last big-name cornerback on the market that remained. So the chances were slim. The Vikings were were probably going to target him. Uh, I think the fact remained that they still need more help at the position. So with Gilmore now gone, what does it mean for the Vikings draft plans? And with no other free agents officially left, will they now be forced, kind of pigeonholed here, to draft a cornerback with that 12th overall pick? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think I think they have enough in place where they can kind of be at the top end, you know, with Mm -hmm. Pat Pete and guys like Dantzler and, you know, things like that. But, like, what's interesting to me is we still say best player available at 12. Mm -hmm. And if the corner is not there, maybe a Stingley is not there, I don't think you reach up and stretch for McDuffie or, you know, any any guy like that. Like, I think think maybe you, you draft best player available. And then maybe if someone trades up with you uh, for that 12th pick, maybe you stockpile a couple corners in the second round. You know, maybe, you know, some some of these guys that you may have a, a pretty good grade on that, you know, may not be first round talent, but could be a serviceable depth player for you that maybe could, you know, come in and learn behind a Patrick Peterson and take their game to the next level moving forward. Like maybe you do that. I am not in favor of them swinging for a knee because usually, with the exception of some quarterbacks, some, not all, with the exception of some quarterbacks, usually when you swing for a position of need in the draft, doesn't really work out that well. Does not bode well. No. No. No, no, not at all. So I don't want to see them do that. 
No, you always go BPA no matter what. Again, you look mm-hmm. back two, three years from then, and you say, man, I, I, I reached on a position that we needed, but with free agent, off-seasons, teams change, rosters change so much from year to year. Yep. You yep. always just take the best talent, the best player available, and, and no matter what the depth chart looks like, uh, talent will always outweigh uh, positional need, and, and they'll find a way to make an impact, no doubt. Remember, they could always move down. Again, we talked about the Steelers or the Saints yesterday's show uh McDuffie might still be there at 18 or 20 or Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson so uh, a lot of options as you mentioned as well for the Vikings with that 12 pick Reggie Wilson follow him on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV and on care 11 I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman he's Reggie I'm Luke until Monday signing out stay blessed spread love this weekend